This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 21st of November 2017. A podcast about the Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem for anybody working with or investigating big data and advanced analytics. My name is Jon, and here is my birthday boy co-host, Dave. Hello, Jon. Happy birthday to you. Two years today. Happy birthday to us, I'd say. Indeed. And a listenership, of course. Uh, well, for those that have been here through the full two years, dear God, haven't you got anything better to do? <laughs> uh, for those that have joined recently, welcome. <laughs> yeah, and look forward to Dave insulting you next year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't just insult our listeners, uh, you know, every year, you know, continuously. I'm, I'm all up for continuous banter. Nah, a yearly approach is a very good way of doing this i think not too uh, you, much you, pr- not you too prefer little. A, an annual flogging session do you? <laughs> well that went down fast <laughs> <laughs> anyway as the listeners may have noticed this is going to be one of our less serious shows i guess this year which is a bit of a tradition for our anniversary episode because as uh, yeah dave mentioned already we've been doing for s- this for two years already this is gone. This is episode number sixty-two. Indeed, half a century passed, and we're creeping ever so slightly up to the one hundred. Indeed, and of course, now that we've we've shifted from the um, you know fortnightly episodes—that's every two weeks—to uh, the weekly episodes, of course, the the number is increasing even more rapidly. Yes, and no way was that the plan, but. Uh. <laughs> Oh, I see. So this was just your plan to do a version number creep, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, see, I, I really want the show to go to, to, to episode 100, and I wasn't entirely sure if I was going to stick it out with you for another 10 years. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. That's how it's going to be, is it? All hey, right. one of the last uh, earlier episodes, you actually tried to replace me with a chatbot, so... Uh, yeah. Good uh, that would be good. That would be good. <laughs> So the the format for those of you that uh, haven't heard one of these before is uh, we have a a number of guests join us hopefully uh, <laughs> through the course of the evening and uh, just share a little bit about what they've been up to uh, since we last talked what's what they're uh, what they're working on now what what's finding them uh, finding them busy and uh, really just uh, see where they are today. So Yeah, we basically sent an invite to all of the guests we had on the show this year and asked them if they had availability, if they uh, wanted to pop in and uh, say hi. Hello, Eduardo. Hi. I just saw you try to call in directly. <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering, uh, but it was another one, wasn't it? Yeah, but this is fine. You're on the air. Well, on the air, on the recording. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever you say, it's on tape. Good. <laughs> Hey Eduardo, how are you? Hey, hello. How are you doing? So, have you been? Oh, what have you been doing? Yeah, very good. Good, good. Yeah, busy, busy. Just uh, working, working stuff. Uh, it's been crazy lately. So, uh, hasn't been that long since we spoke to you on the no. podcast. You no, it's like guest. October, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, nothing much changed, I guess. No, so no. people are still people are still sort of finding use for data scientists. Then you know it hasn't hasn't faded out of, uh, out of <laughs> not yet, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Let let's hope the the vibe continues for um, how many years do I? I need like thirty five years to. So let's hope <laughs> let's hope this continues for 
like at least for another 35 years so eduardo can cash out (laughs) yeah exactly you know then i can nicely retire and then it's okay yeah i'll be probably be called something else in 30 years but um, (laughs) let's see so uh what's uh you know what's the rest of the year looking like for you you've got uh, still still a few big projects kind of working their way through yeah yeah actually yeah so i mean it's end of the year so i am uh finishing with with one customer right now and uh yeah there are some other customers in the pipeline and i'm also somehow um so helping the the younger um, data scientist at uh, Mobiquity as well to in their in their projects and um, mm-hmm. yeah, so it just keeps me keeps, keeps me busy. busy. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So, so actually, that's a it's a really good question. What's the um, what's the onboarding and sort of you know that that sort of mentoring process? You know, what 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 do you sort of look for, or what do you run through when it when it comes to sort of working with a, a more junior data scientist? Yeah, well, uh, you know, funny enough, the, the first thing that I notice is that they are always much better than me coding. Every new generation is just much better. And yeah. I'm pretty sure, you know, the next guys will be better than the previous guys. And, and this just keeps, uh, so it's it's fascinating. I somehow, yeah, you know, it's something that I don't even try to keep up because it, it doesn't make sense. It's not something that I particularly love. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, they, they also have their education normally much, much more tailored to those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but I I think it's really experience. I mean, you see that with a with a more junior guy, they they kind of uh, how do I say that? But they kind of um, they know how, how to do it after you tell them what to do. Yeah. Not not every junior, obviously, but some people need a lot of guidance, and and that's uh, that's the thing that they don't learn in school. So they have the like they have so they have the coding slash development skills. They have some of the the mathematics behind it, but they don't necessarily know out of the box how to apply those things to a, a business problem. Is that kind of the is that fair to say? Do you think in that's some cases? exactly? Yeah, I couldn't say better. Yeah, that's exactly that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So so you go through. So what do you do? Do you go through sort of examples of, of projects that you've done with customers and say, you know, that this is how you approached it and this is how you, how you sort of, how you solve these particular issues or how, yeah. how do you, how do you transfer that sort of experience into the, the new generation? Yeah. So what we typically, and I feel very old now, so that's funny, you know, <laughs> the new generation, I feel like, Oh yeah, <laughs> it's finally come. But, uh, uh, no, we do something very nice at uh, Mobiquity because we have a, a nice partnership with the uh, Free University of Amsterdam, mm-hmm. uh, and there are courses there that are very tailored to to the data science track, mm-hmm. and um, we do also um, some sort of official uh, master guidance with the university. So they have a supervisor at the company. Mm-hmm. And they have a supervisor at the at the university, and they have to navigate between these two worlds somehow. And yeah. 
because I have an academic background, I am very interested also in that in that gray zone. So I tend to put a lot of effort there to get um, to get them going. And yeah, I, I, I guess it's really starting from um, from a sort of a systematic approach where they can um, first. That's what I always tell them: they first start with a question, mm-hmm. and and then after they they understand the question and 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 they are comfortable with it because that's the important thing i guess then the the ideas kind of come along uh just to interrupt you guys i'm going to try and dial in a second guest okay yeah so we now have both uh marcel Jan and eduardo Paparo on the line um so greetings both um, I think we were just we were just uh, winding up part of our conversation, Eduardo. You were saying that you know the the development skills of a lot of the the new guys that are coming along are, are sort of even significantly advanced beyond what your what your knowledge typically is. I think there's a there's a phrase of the the GitHub, GitHub generation, which is you know where a lot of the the developers are now. Is you know a, a lot of their code base is now their their resume if you like is almost online available through their github repos for a variety of sort of projects and things that they've built and put together do you think that sort of really um do you think that's a real thing do you think that really does make a difference to to sort of where some of the the, the latest generation of data scientists and data engineers are coming in oh yeah i mean definitely you see um you know um the bunch of um number of languages these these kids know now it's it's incredible right they can program in uh, you know six seven languages yeah and yeah i mean concerning the tooling they are um they are doing extremely well you know and also i mean i i, I kind of feel that a little bit more because coming from um from a slightly different background right um that's um you know it's not something that um that we focus too much in yeah. environmental yeah. sciences or atmospheric sciences if you will yeah you know so i i do feel that uh, there is a it's also different um different interest that they have and and that's quite fascinating excellent excellent so, you know, we're joined also on the line now by uh, Marcel Jan, who yeah. uh, good good to finally uh, good to finally catch up again. Yeah, um, yeah. Sorry about all the uh, technical difficulties. No we have no technical difficulties. At all. No problem at all. <laughs> and and uh, we, congratulations. We, we, always, we can you. always blame Jan. He, he's a Aww. good scapegoat. <laughs> That's two but, years uh, of this bad, badgering, you know. <laughs> two years I've been uh, suffering through yeah. this. I bet you manage. <laughs> so we we first uh, or we talked to you back in uh, March of this yep. year, so quite a while ago now, and you were just sort of um, starting a new role in in sort of the the big data ecosystem. So how's how's that gone for you? How what have you been up to over the last uh, uh, last quite a few months? Well, it's been. Uh, uh, very interesting. I've become, I've become a Hortonworks Data Platform Certified Administrator. Uh, I'm working on the Spark using Python certification. Mm-hmm. 
learned a lot. I had a lot of time to learn, by the way, because <laughs> actually only next Monday will my first assignment start. So, hey. <laughs> so it is, yeah. It was a lot harder to to get uh, uh, an assignment uh, at a, a customer site uh, as a data fresh data engineer yeah. than I imagined. Even even uh, uh, yeah, it didn't matter that I had twenty years of uh, experience with data on another platform, Oracle. But uh, yeah, but uh, finally uh, I'm getting there. I have a good uh, assignment. Very interesting. A uh, uh, good one to to start with. Uh, so yeah. At uh, yeah, so brilliant. So I mean, one of the things that, in fact, we were um, we were talking uh, with Eduardo was around the sort of the onboarding of uh, you know new talent into these kind of roles. So you know, have you have you spent a lot of time um, you know looking at uh, you know, existing projects that the organization has been using? Have you spent your time, you know, shadowing other engagements or have you been sort of, you know, very much offline kind of just polishing up your skills and getting the certs and that sort of thing? Uh, I've worked with, with uh, colleagues, but they usually are at customer sites uh, mm -hmm. also. So you're not really invited for that. Uh, I had some internal projects to set up a Hadoop uh, cluster and uh, to work on uh, uh, something to help the uh, data scientists uh, to have a platform to to do image recognition. Uh, just uh, to for me, it was just the the Python with Flask uh, uh, environment to make a kind of a website, a web application where you can uh, get the, the images in and show the customers uh, uh, proof of concept how that works. Um, uh, and a lot of learning. <laughs> That's also what I've done. I had a lot of time. I never had so much time to learn. And uh, I used it uh, pretty well, by the way. I used everything I could. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I mean, there's there's certainly never going to be a, a better time to, to do that. And uh, congratulations on your first upcoming engagement. So uh, yeah. look forward to talking to you after, after you've run through that and uh, see how it all went. Yeah. All right. Well, it was great catching up with you. Look forward to uh, speaking to you soon. Yeah. Uh, here's to another two years of uh, the Roaring Elephant podcast. I keep listening. <laughs> you keep you listening. Keep listening. We'll him. keep making them. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Take care. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye. Um, so I think we have a, a, another guest dialing in. Is that uh, is that true, Jan? Well, one person dropping in. If it's okay, we should have uh, you and Shanae on the line now, yes, too. Yes, just to have Hello, everyone. Hello. Hey, Ewan. So you're on the line with Eduardo Barbaro, who's a data scientist. Yes. And you're, okay. you and Shanae, maybe. Say something. How have you been lately? What happened since last we talked? Uh, more customer, uh, more stuff on uh, Azure, Google, on Amazon. So more stuff on the cloud on one side. On the other side, more stuff on on-premise with uh, Bluemix, OpenShift, and so on. Okay. So the data is being more and more complicated. <laughs> well, data is never complicated. That. It's what people <laughs> want to do with the data that makes it complicated, right? It's always the yeah. human factor that makes it complicated. Yeah. Now, in fact, the bank and the insurance want to stay really on-premise and all the other companies want to simplify the stuff and go to, to the cloud directly. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, and uh, you know in Europe there are the GDPR. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, there is a lot of stuff moving. So there are uh, all, uh, all everybody is asking questions. So where to I'll put my data? Mm -hmm. What I can do with it? Or, and so on. So that's actually a good question. Yeah. If, with the GDPR thing, that's also a question for you, maybe Eduardo. Do you guys think there's enough information out there today to make you uh, able to answer questions when you get the questions, or is it still kind of a grey fog out there? Oh, it's still very much grey, very much grey. I do think that people will kind of, uh, um, you know, leave that to the kind of to the last minutes. Uh, somebody's I mean, making a are, lot of noise with their chair or table or something, so <laughs> be careful there. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but please go well, on. Yeah, I was saying that uh, you know companies are kind of uh, you know some some companies are extremely well uh, well prepared, and you see that they you know they have it figured out. They are organizing workshops to get um, you know to try to educate people and offering um, consultancy jobs as well. But there are quite a lot of companies that, from from our end here, that they are not uh, super busy with that yet. Is that also your view, Ewen? Uh, uh, yes, when you look at banks, there are so many regulations, US or Europe, so it's mm. uh, GDPR is just a new stuff. But for other companies, marketing companies, industry companies, it's uh, a, big, uh, a big project to do. They have to start someone. And uh, if you look at it, for example, you've got the consent. When you give data, you have to know you, for what the data should be used. You know, like you've got with the Android application or the iPhone application, you can get the GPS, the contact. Mm -hmm. And now when you subscribe to an application, to a website, you should have the same. And uh, I think that almost no website or traditional application are ready for this yet. Do you think they still have enough time if they start now? Because uh, when is it going in effect? That's in it's May to May, but in May you have to show to the regulator that you have started the action and you have a budget oh, for okay. it and you are taking care of it. It will be in two or three years that if you do nothing, you would get a big uh, the penalties. Big penalties. Okay, so there's still but, some uh, room in there, but still, if people <laughs> take the room into account and wait another three years. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Exactly, and that's exactly the feeling, I guess. It's kind of, yeah, we can do a little bit of a start, and then yeah. you still know, a linger of, on. There's a still a significant amount of, of gray area, though, around things like, um, you know, it, it's fairly well understood that people have, for example, a right to be forgotten, and it's fairly well understand, understood that, you know, you shouldn't, um, you know, you should be very careful about what data you keep about, uh, your employees after they've left your organization, for example. Um, but if you look at things like the the areas of, of big data and cybersecurity, um, it's, it's not particularly well understood how long you can keep data about an employee that's left from a, uh, you know, from a, a security perspective. You know, how do you know that, you know, sometime after someone's left an organization that, six, 12, 18, 24 months ago, they weren't, you know, leaking data out of your environment. So there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of strange sort of gray area that still people are trying to wrap their heads around. And it's not covered in the current, current legislation. Mm -hmm. 
Um, for example, uh, it was a, a company in uh, Czechoslovakia, mm -hmm. uh, in Czech Republic now. Uh, you know, you go to uh, e-commerce website, you, you fill uh, a basket, but you never give your emails. Yeah. And this company can find your emails with all the cookies and all the data you shared before. And uh, 10 minutes after, or the, day, the day after, you receive an email with uh, mm -hmm. the basket you added uh, the one, one hour before. Yeah. Uh, but you never gave the email before. It just finds you with the uh, cookies and the data and so on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's interesting times. But so, I find it fascinating, one, one thing, right? Because yeah. let's say, you know, someone finds out about that, you know, how is that company going to, and, you know, people know that, right? So how is that company going to explain themselves? That's always the question that I have, you know? I think it, it's going to become, it's going to become more and more difficult for organizations to, hide behind those kind of things as the legislation gets tighter and tighter. I mean, it's, it's always that balance between the innovation of what you can, what you can achieve with the data and how you can access the data. And on the other hand, the, uh, you know, the regulations that you're maybe not necessarily breaking, but bending or at least uh, brushing very heavily against. <laughs> That's a very nice way to say things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. After afterwards, everyone gives his data fully to get a free product and so on. So and when you do this, you you say you click on share to partners. It's over. It's already on every DB, every partners DB who sells uh, data. So yeah. 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 yeah actually, I've, I've tried to get my name removed from a list once, and there's uh, as a Belgian national did in Belgium. And there was a certain question there. You can only do this if you promise that you never had any dealings with this company or any company that that company does business with. Yeah. Am I supposed to know? It's <laughs> easy to check, right? <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> so yeah, I'm hoping GDPR sounds, makes this a bit like harder. A, but I mean, GDPR sounds like yeah. a big data problem to me. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, the big data is the reason they do this, of course. Because yeah. without big data, you would never get any value out of that kind of information. Yeah. We are the bad guys, I guess, who make this all possible. It's all our fault, man. Well, your fault, <laughs> anyway. So I think you and when when we were last talking, obviously we we uh, we caught up with you about your uh, session at the uh, San Jose Summit, you know, Suicidal Spark. We're yes. very glad to hear that uh, that you're still around. <laughs> no suicide has happened. Oh, um, no, we are all on Kafka Stream now. So I was going to okay. say, so you were very, very positive about Kafka Streaming at, at the end of the, the conversation yeah. we were having. And I wanted to catch up with you again. So how's that How's that progressing? Are you you're full, on, full on Kafka now? Uh Almost, almost. It in fact, we provide a platform, so the, there are several technologies, and it depends on the customer context mm -hmm. of, of what they use. Uh, one use case we add is to, you know, stream data update from a DB. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first lesson learned is uh, you need to do this on a slave DB because it uh, requires quite a lot of processing on the DB. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. For example, you've got uh, MySQL master, you do it on the mast, MySQL slave. And it worked quite, it worked quite easy to set up. But I uh, can't say anymore. It was uh, Aurelien who did this. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the silent partner in this crime. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, anyway, we are looking at a new animal, no? a new framework. I don't know if you heard of it. It's uh, Dwemio. Oh, I've seen a little bit about it, but not too much. What, what's uh, yeah. attracting you to that? Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, the, it's done by the former developer of Dwin, Apache Dwin. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's the uh, same as Dwin with better uh, catching index and uh, with uh, more connectors, you know. You can do select from HDFS, from Hive, from uh, Elasticsearch, from, uh, uh, not Exadata, from Teradata or from DB2 or stuff like this. And you have a consolidated, consolidated view, sorry, of your, of your data analytics. Wow. Is it still a streaming uh, framework or? Uh, no, it's a, no, it's a SQL-like uh, oh, framework. Okay. Yeah. Because you need to, to explore data to do feature engineering. It's quite great. And it just been out this uh, summer. And they just set up a company on it. And uh, if you need to do an interview, I think it can be interesting. Yeah. Sounds, sounds curious. Mm -hmm. So it was a, it was a definite, um, so it sounds like it was, it was a definite decision to take a break from, from drill and, and go and do something completely different. So they obviously felt they couldn't just extend drill to, to, to match the, the new vision they had. Uh, uh, I guess so. Uh, I don't know the the background, but uh, we did a test. It's quite easy to set up, a little mm -hmm. like Dwin, because you know if you need to set up Impala, it's not so simple. Or even <laughs> Hive. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's there come from Mapper, and uh, they are they are used to do map uh, simple installations. So, and it's quite interesting. They they want to do a unified view on data. Yeah. So and full the, kind of. Query query aggregation across multiple sources. Yeah. So uh, yeah, for your next episode, if you can get it, it could be could be yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we can we can reach out. And it's a uh, it's an is it an Apache project as well. Uh, I think uh, it's open source, and there is a company, a little like a lot of uh, stuff. Can, yeah. I think it's Apache, and to check on the internet. Yeah. 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 Ah, excellent. So, what what else has been going on in in the world of of Saji? What else have you uh, been up to? Uh, we are going on premise next year. Yeah, uh, we start from cloud. And uh, when you work for big banks, big insurance, they want they don't don't want uh, remote management and so on. Mm. Uh, because it was uh, offered at the beginning, uh, so now they want on-premise stuff. And uh, uh, it's it's quite true on the French market. But two years ago, it was cloud era everywhere. Uh, this year, it's Orton Works everywhere. Hmm. Okay, that sounds like an excellent move. Yeah, it's quite funny because it's a completely change in one year. And so uh, we are looking at the Atlas API, at the Ranger API, and so on. So you, you can automatize and simplify all the user rights and the, all the governance stuff and so on. Uh, without making this an infomercial for Hortonworks, which we all like, of course, we like a lot there too. Do you, yeah. do you have a feeling why there's a shift going on? Is it, I mean, it can't be because of technology, because both distributions pretty much have uh, the same uh, technology stack in uh, functionality, right? 
Uh, I think it's open source. You know, they, they did uh, Teradata, Exadata, Oracle, and so on. And at the end, it's always finished uh, on the on the leg on legal issue. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know, with the, all the regulation, they need to be able to audit all the code okay. that manage any binary any data processing. You know. Yeah, 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 transactional yeah, yeah. or analytics so they they want to be st st uh, stick to any solution so they we really pushing Orton works everywhere uh, and uh, mostly there are, when there are several all the different you know data lab in these big companies start with Orton works uh, again so circling back to we, GDPR <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then they centralize in the middle and they do a big, big Hortonworks. And, uh, you know, all the streaming stuff with a new part of Hortonworks with a NiFi and, mm -hmm. and so on. Uh, yes, also, uh, also got this. And they push a lot on the, you know, the, but you may notice all the multi tenant stuff, you know, the labeling on the quota per user. Yeah. And so one are, thing I thought was the new friend of Hortonworks now to, connect to all the API and hopefully it's open source so it's easy to connect to the API. Yeah. yeah. One thing I thought was was interesting, you were mentioning that there's a, a significant kind of uptick in um, in sort of the, the ability to deal with governance and you mentioned, you know, spending yeah. a lot of time into looking at and into working out how you can integrate with the, things like the Atlas API. Um, what, what do you think is um, driving a lot of organizations to um, to consider governance more carefully. I, I mean, I completely agree. I definitely see this kind of switch happening. But in, in your sort of experience, where do you see sort of the, this push for data governance coming from? Uh, regulation, GDPR, and so on. But if you, in banks and insurance, it's more on their DNA, you know? Yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, the the business guy from this uh, area of uh, this country or this country uh, can uh, don't have the right to see uh, the data of this other country and so on. So uh, yeah. you need to do all the, to to do all the data set per country per region and then uh, give the right to the right on it. Yeah. On what I yeah sorry. No no go ahead. Uh, what I've seen is, you know, for the for the last five to ten years, there was a lot of shadow IT in these big companies. Mm. And now, you know, the GDPR is a good uh, is a good uh, move for to, for big IT to centralize all the data uh, for all the business people. And uh, because you say you cannot you cannot have the personal data on your computer. Please, data scientists, you must use uh, online web uh, ID to to process the data. You don't, you cannot copy it anymore. Mm. So it's uh, you know it before it was more decentralized. Now it's more controlled and centralized. I mean that's that's a perfect kind of segue into. I was going to ask Eduardo. I mean the when when you're dealing with things from a data science perspective and you're you're working with. You know, a variety of different data that these organizations have does does that governance conversation come into your interactions or or do you kind of do you work with the data give them the results and and you know just let them worry about the governance of the data afterwards is it is it an integral part of what you do yeah i guess it's more like um 
because it is consulting work, obviously we we should bring that to them as well, mm. you know, as some sort of a package, uh, because it does become much harder after you are used to a certain, you know, let's call it right way where, where governance is, um, is working and it, it's all in place. You know, if you just go and everything is a mess, it just takes so much more time to figure it out that um, we tend now to approach companies and, and, and offer that as a service as well. Yeah. I think this makes much more sense also for efficiency, you know, I mean, that's, that's what you're what really looking here. And I mean, also security, obviously, and there are only benefits. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the the data lakes of the past, I think, for certain organizations at least, were a little bit like the Wild West. You know, anybody dumped any sort of data in that they felt like working with at any given time, you know, very few people cleaned up after themselves. You know, the the level of security and permissions was really quite lax. And that that that's probably the picture i would say probably 3 or 3 or 4 years ago if you fast forward to where we are now i think the tools have definitely um matured quite significantly i also think the mindset of organizations using data and you know they've seen you know the data swamp or you know the yeah. they've seen those kind of things evolving and they've they've realize that they've had to make changes to adopt, you know, applying proper security, applying role-based and tag-based asset control, yeah, well, you know, can dealing I interrupt with governance. You for, for a second? Yeah, yeah, I guess do. that uh, maybe in the, in the engineering work, uh, world, you are absolutely right. I mean, things have developed, um, yeah, you know, if you look at the technology five years ago um, compared to, you know, the layers of security and, and, and governance that are in place now, it's mm. it's a different ballgame, right? Yeah. But um, still looking at, um, um, there are many, many companies that just don't adopt those things. They are still yeah. doing business as, as they were doing five or 10 years ago, you know, with some small improvements. Mm-hmm. That's why I find that things like, uh, you know, uh, regulation, uh, it's not necessarily um, too bad, you know, because it also keeps, you know, companies do have to update. They they have to up their game because otherwise they're not going to comply. Yeah. So you uh, actually, you think that things are a lot worse than, than that? You, you think there's still a lot of Wild West out there? Oh, yeah. I mean, at least in 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 a, in a data science bit, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. There are there are companies that 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 you go consult and and you see that they are not that they are not ready, not by a little, but by a, especially in terms of technology. You know. Yeah. Interesting. So you you think that that regulation is really going to be? Do you think that's the only way that you'll get people to? to adopt some of these these kind of better working practices? No, it's not the only way. It is one way. But, I mean, naturally, competition will take care of it, right? Yeah. I mean, if your if you're competitor is, is doing it, and because it's not like this is a burden, right? You are mm. going to, to do something, and um, 
you expect to get something in return, especially with these improvements and with security. You know, company who does security is not, not going to get hacked, and a company who doesn't care about it will. Yep. You know, those type of things. And then companies will start thinking, hey, maybe we kind of have to do it. You yeah. know, and, and I think it's it's really time. But the problem is it, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, you know, three months and everybody will be happy. <laughs> Talking about, uh, I mean, these, uh, these GDPR talks, how, how long how long people are talking about it? <laughs> it's a bit like IPv6, isn't it? Yeah, and, and still, uh, you know, it's next year, May or something, and then this is just to start, so they can finish later. So it's, a, it's, a, it's like, well, I don't know, almost a, a decade, uh, you know, to get things done. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess it's time, some some regulation, but I mean competition will take care of it by by itself. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So maybe moving away from, from GDPR and regulation, although it, it may it may well come into it. Maybe we'll go back to go back to Ewan. Um what Ewan, what what do you think um how do you think the landscape is gonna gonna change through 2018 what do you what do you think are some of the things that we're going to see emerging more to the forefront mm, so there will be more i think more governance but i see some new kind of companies they are existing for years now but uh, it's more it would be more a question for eduardo by the way uh, it's about the auto ml uh, solution you know as prevision.io.ai.exe.ai mm -hmm. data robot and so on mm -hmm. they are sell like you know the 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 magic potion to to solve all your problem <laughs> and i'm wondering if on a data scientist point of view or do you see this eduardo on the do you see some value or is it to just to make more people using data science, machine learning and so on? Wow. Yeah, good I question. Mean, yeah, I mean, I guess that everything that, that makes people um, uh, think more about data science and, and focus on that, it's, it's very welcome, right? So generally speaking, we... Um, we do want, uh, because like, like we were also talking when, when we spoke, um, two months ago, mm. it was quite a, it's quite a lot that, uh, in companies, we really feel that, uh, um, analytics and, and data science is a little bit detached. Yeah. So every type of tool or every type of technology or, or every type of, of anything pretty much that, that gets us involved in projects and gets us, you know, ready to apply um, new techniques and, and 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 find things. That's what what we are looking for. Absolutely. And did you test one of these solutions already or not? No, 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 no. I I have not. I have not. Okay. It's funny from a from an engineer perspective. Uh, we are quite behind that. Uh, the engineers themselves think we are. There are so many companies that that you know they they have data, but they are just 
storing it. And that, that's the bulk. I'm not talking yeah. about 20%. I'm really talking about, in, in, at least in, in, in the data science world, so many companies that just store it and you know and now they are start they found out you know that you can um do reports and and so they are really at the phase uh, really looking back and trying to understand what happened that's the question that they are um they are struggling now and they are slowly moving to why did that happen but that takes um that's where the bottleneck is. It's it's um it's pretty complex. Do you think that's that's why so many organizations have um or so many projects I should say have such a poor reported ROI because they don't actually have you know, they spend all their time thinking we've got to do big data, we need to collect all this data without actually thinking you know, what do I want to achieve with this data? You know, what what's my goal? What, what am I trying to understand or analyze? Yeah, I mean, in my view, this is this is the the role of the data scientist. Yeah, it's exactly what you said. This this last bit, this is the thing that we have to do. Our job is no more than be able to look at data in a um, in an elegant fashion, and elegant, I mean, getting all the engineering help we could we could possibly get, because we cannot do all these fancy things that um, you guys do. Uh, but our job is, is really to look at the data and say, okay, uh, how can we um, how can we use that to make that company move forward? And if we would only focus on that question, that would be enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked about kind of new projects before on the podcast and we, we always say, don't, don't start with just collecting everything. Start with, start with a business case, start with a use case that you want to achieve, which could be, you know, we talk about the, the standard use cases of, you know, 360 degree view of customer or view of household or churn prediction or something, you know, something like that. Start with, start with, start with that key question. And that's funny because, um, if you look in, you know, now it sounds like, uh, we just, you know, uh, discovered fire or something. But (laughs) if you look at academia, how academia works, it's exactly in that way. They don't start. I mean, you don't go to the field, measure something and then you say, okay, what are we going to measure? Ah, let's measure everything and let's see what happens. <laughs> no, you have a question. Mm. After you have the question, then you design an experiment and you are only going to measure things that relate in some way to what you want to do. Very, very, very um, sporadically or very rarely you are going to go and, um, you know, go to a site where things are being measured just because we can that that doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I don't understand why companies have such a hard time in adopting it. I mean, if if I had to guess uh and based on based on my experience, I would say the reason why those kind of things still happen is because in some cases IT adopts a kind of if we build it they will come mentality or attitude. So 
you know, someone in IT that maybe is not as connected to the business but knows cool tech and data lake thinks, well, we'll build the data lake, we'll get all the data in there, and then, you know, the business will use it and it'll be fine. But, of course, that's you know, that's really not – it's the wrong way around. It's the wrong way to do it. So I think my view, I think, is that's why it happens. But you're right. It, it's, it's kind of – if you go back to the very basics and – it, it wouldn't normally make sense to approach it that way. So, yeah, it's a little bit crazy. After it depends on from where the big data initiative comes from. We've mm. got two main uh, poor AY uh, example. First, it's if it's only IT, they have a wonderful cluster, secured, cable-wise, and so on. Yeah, data, but no use case. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the opposite, you've got uh, an initiative by the business guy. They've got uh, uh, a simple data lake, no security, uh, some data, but not the real pollution data. It's some copy from the past. Mm -hmm. And they have a lot of use cases, but poor data. And uh, yeah. what we are trying is to put all together. And yeah. sometimes the big companies, you've got these two clusters at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and But it, it's it's crazy because the you can see both sides of this, right? If only IT and the business would work together. But isn't this the same conversation we've been having for like 30 years? <laughs> Almost, yeah. more, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on some, uh, one, uh, one funny stuff is one time, uh, one marketing team sent us all the data by email. So we provide them a, a, a double cluster. It was a four, four megabytes, you know. Say, yeah. so, okay, we don't need a cluster for this. Do you have more data? <laughs> well, just set the application factor to 200. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, right, definitely fit in memory, that's for sure. Um, so I guess you know, same question that I, I started out with uh, asking you, and um, but to you this time, Eduardo, what, what do you think... Um, what do you think some of the, the big changes that will be coming for 2018? What do you think are some of the, the new things that are be coming to the, to the forefront? Yeah, I guess uh, it's more uh, in terms of integration mm -hmm. that I see um, the big change. Because like, like I said, I still feel that uh, data science is a little bit detached from... Um, from what companies, from the core business of mm. what companies are doing. And uh, I see that this, this is becoming less and less all the time. And that's a, that's a great thing, of course. Uh, and, and I see some sort of a trend that companies will be adopting it um, more and more and, and, not, and not see, uh, oh, let's put analytics as a, as a burden but start seeing it as well. Let's put it because it is it is valuable and it is fundamental. The same way that you know you have to put a a security layer. Uh, you know, no one sees that as a burden anymore, or almost yeah. no one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and I see I see that um, data science is 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 really moving um, more closely towards integration. That's where I, uh, in the short term, mm. uh, things are, are are moving. And I mean, obviously, if you look from this, from the technology bit, uh, you know, 
deep nets are getting deeper and deeper. Uh, so yeah. um, we will be able to do um, quite a lot more things with uh, real-time imaging processing, uh, you know, video uh, video processing, and and all this all these crazy things that are kicking in right now. Yeah, I mean that 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 sort of real-time streaming kind of analytics of um, both images and video. Um, do you think that that's something that we'll actually start seeing organizations relying on? You know, do you think, do you think that the, the tech and the, an organization's knowledge of what they can do is mature enough that, do you think there'll, there'll be experimentation in 2018 and maybe sort of things moving into proper production in 2019? Or do you think that, the, the experimentation's been done already and, and people will start adopting it kind of for production? Nah, I wouldn't be so optimistic, unfortunately. Mm. I guess that, um, you know, maybe in the US it's a, it's a little bit in front. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, I don't see that happening here yet. Yeah. I don't see, I, I think we are still... You know, feels feels to me that you know we are kind of walking on thin ice, and at any moment um, it's going to break. And when some companies start making tremendous amounts of money uh, with that, and then it's going to become more mainstream. But someone has to to uh, to fall uh, in the cold lake somehow. I I think yeah. it's still um, you know not quite there yet yeah it's it's interesting you 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 mentioned kind of people having to fail first um before the the wider the wider community will maybe learn from it um i mean something that i've seen happening uh, accelerating uh, more and more this year has been sort of the the plethora of data breaches data leakage um and those kind of things and one of the one of the concerns you know i i have as being someone in the big data space is is that the the data lake is obviously a very juicy target for for this kind of exploitation so you know, maybe you know, a question for for you and you know you you're you're involved in in delivering a uh, you know a, a big data solution what what do you think uh, are some of the risks here how do we how do we mitigate mitigate against them and do you think that uh, we'll finally get a handle on that in 2018 or do you think the the trend will continue and and maybe even accelerate I think the trend will continue because you cannot change all companies' culture and security in uh, one mm. day, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I see some changes here because on all customer requests, if it's a big company, they ask for Kerberos, yeah. basically. And you've got more and more big security forms to fill and so on. Uh, because, you know, it's, uh, it was you talking about the Equifax, I think. When they for in US for the data breach, yeah, yeah. Oh, for example, the CEO was fired for this company because uh, it was uh, almost every American people citizen. Yeah, uh, they, they lost a third of their third of their value overnight. Yeah, 
So uh, there would be more and more security, more chaos means more training for the data scientist, the data engineer, because you cannot access so easily the stuff. Mm -hmm. So we need more tooling uh, to make it more easy for every data worker, you know, mm -hmm. people who are working on data. Uh, after, yes, I think it's only the beginning, more, more stuff are, are done. Not every people are very professionalized in security. So, because, uh, you know, they want to just to make their company uh, be on cash, uh, win customer. So, security yeah. is a secondary, you know. But big companies uh, have taken the stuff and we, we are seeing it more and more. But it will be, I think, all the medium company who don't have the money to get the teams and so on. Yeah, yeah. Eduardo, any any kind of thoughts on that sort of uh, on, the, on the trend? Do you think it's gonna? Do you think it's gonna continue from your perspective? Uh, yeah, and I mean, as it as it as it should. I like like I said, this is really now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's moving faster and faster to say from the from from the positive perspective mm. so you know in, in in two or three years i guess um we're gonna have uh, you know gdpr in place for example and um uh, well security and and other technologies will be able to build up on that and yep. uh, well as a as a data scientist we kind of see that from the from from the side and we are kind of waiting for it to be in place. Yeah. You know, but it is it is very exciting times. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, as as you're both kind of users and consumers and in some cases sort of uh, developers of, of technology in this in this kind of space. But what do you think is what's missing in the ecosystem right now? What what's the What's the piece of, of of cool tech that you wish existed today, or you you wish someone was was beavering away working on? Maybe maybe Eduardo, I'll, I'll ask you first. Yeah, so uh, I think from a from a data scientist standpoint, I would really say that the the data engineering layer is uh, is actually missing. So yeah. it's not even new technology, but more more integration. That's what I what I really feel that um, you know we have to work together with the with the data engineers to to make our life easier. Yeah, is that is that you know is that more a question of of first kind of fast tracking the ingestion or is it more about you know the the cleanliness and correctness of the data or is it just the whole story that you know, none of it's there? I think it's yeah. Well. Uh, well, for the for the ingestion, obviously, if you don't have a a engineer to help you, you're just gonna ingest less. Yeah, and that's kind of okay, depending on on what you're doing. But you know, uh, I think it's all in terms of like, um, you know, it's it's less clumsy if an engineer does does it. Yeah, you know, yeah. we can we can do it, but then yeah. You know, then it's it's like asking a kid to paint. It, it maybe looks okay, but uh, it's not. You know, it's not a painter. It's not. Yeah. It doesn't look professional. We can, we kind of can do it, but when when you see that thing you built and it took you three months, and then you give it to an engineer, and 
you know, in two weeks, the guy comes with a amazing solution and I say, wow, I kind of wasted three months. You know, obviously there is a learning curve and yeah. a learning process yeah. right there. And, uh, you know, and I think we are very much in that, uh, in that, uh, uh, space now where once again, companies will have to understand that these two very different animals together, the scientist and the engineer together, um, the benefits that or the, the added value that companies will um, will get it's it's tremendous. Yeah. And as soon as companies figure that, um, the better. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Ewan, what what do you think? What where where do you think the gaps are in the in the big data ecosystem today? What what are the the cool tools and tech you wish existed right now? Yeah, uh, I would say Adam, on my DevOps profile, you know, Hadoop 4.0, mm-hmm. you know, on Hadoop without uh, Nemnode and so on, all the complicated, uh, complicated master stuff, but uh, some topology like Cassandra, it would be so much simpler to manage in production on high availability and so on. Yeah, but it's not on Hadoop 3.0, so I have to wait for the next one or, <laughs> or commits for years for some stuff I'm not yeah. good at. Uh, and the other stuff is, you know, a lot of people are using Python uh, mm-hmm. or and so on, and these languages are not so good, you know, for packaging, continuous integration, continuous delivery. They are far more young in this area than .NET or Java. Yeah. So, on um, uh, what I when I uh, help the customer, you know, we do the training and so on. And sometimes as CTO, I come there to help them. I uh, mostly do, you know. Okay, how can uh, how can you put this in production? Because mm-hmm. you know, some algorithm not in production, it's just talks for the company. It's yep. just uh, just waste, you know. Yep. So we have to put it in production, and it's not so simple with all this framework. Spark is good. Because you, it's, but uh, all the other stuff you that data scientists do because it comes from statistics in uh, which in lab it uh, the pollution was their laptop, you know. So it's all this language or ecosystem, I would say, will evolve to make packaging, continuous integration, continuous delivery more easy. Yeah, yeah on this stuff. And sometimes it's even uh, connecting to SQL. It's hard to manage the connection and so on. Yeah. So interesting you mentioned kind of CI and CD. Do you think that, um, I mean, one of the things that is coming in Hadoop 3.0 is the ability for things like um, Yarn to run Docker containers? Um, Do you think that that is going to start to play into this kind of continuous integration, continuous delivery um, piece of the exercise? Do you think you're going to start to see people adopting, you know, dockerized applications on a data lake? Uh, I think it will pour more culture, but, you know, Kerberos has won the game. Uh, no, Kerberos, sorry, Kubernetes, Kubernetes has won mm-hmm. the game. Yep. You know, if you not, did not notice at the last DockerCon, they say, okay, we integrate Kubernetes. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, big customers are asking for Kubernetes uh, for months now. And, 
as a strategy, we use all, you know, the mesosphere DCOS stuff because you mm -hmm. can do Spark, you can do Docker, you can do uh, more, more data stuff and more application stuff. Yeah. Uh, after you, uh, just to, to make the, to talk about CG, our solution is to make CD for all this technology. And two years ago, we were alone to, to have this talk and now there are more, more and more people to say this talk. To say, okay, we need to productize, operationalize data science, big data, so it go to production. And uh, in France, we've got a consulting company called Octo. So mm -hmm. they were bought by Accenture last year, I think. And they are known as the software craftsmanship stuff. You know, they all do TDD, uh, DDD, and so on for applications. So they are, they are, I would say, all developers know to develop. And uh, yeah. they, they put some data scientists in the middle. So they were kind of a bit of shock of culture, you know. And uh, it, will, it, will, it will take time. You have to mix the people uh, and so on. But uh, when it's in production, it can become critical. I've got one customer. They put some, uh, some indicators, uh, just KPIs and so on for the marketing team. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, it was just, you know, new stuff. On one time, the, it failed in production, and there were all the marketing team was annoying because now it was part of their business process. They have to check their KPI in the business process, and if they yeah. don't have it, block the stuff. And the team, the analytic team, didn't know this, and they know it like this. So once you give good results in production every day, it can become part of the critical business process, and the, the data become more data driven. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Ewan, it's, it's been great catching up with you. Um, really, really value you uh, taking the time to, to drop in and, and say hi and, and celebrate the two-year anniversary of the Roaring Elephant podcast. Yes, and you were my personal big data trainer for the last two years, so I wanted to thank <laughs> you, both of you, for this. You're too car. kind. Yes. You're too kind. Well, I, I, was certainly, I, I, wish, uh, I wish you... And, uh, and your organization, uh, a lot of success. And I hope everything continues to go uh, very well with Sanji and uh, your move to yeah. on-prem. Um, yeah, so but, uh, but also on Azure, on a lot of other works, but we might mate on a customer one day, I don't know. Yeah, indeed. I look forward to it. Take care, Ewan. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye, Ewan. Thanks for being in here. Okay, bye. Hey guys, I kind of have to go as well. If that's if that's okay, if you have yeah, that's absolutely yeah. fine. Eduardo, thank you for your time. It's very good to uh, to catch up with you again. Although it wasn't all that long ago we talked to you, it uh, it actually seems like quite a while. I can only say that that must be the the speed of life in big data. Yeah, and I mean things are are crazy now, and it's always good to to catch up. Absolutely, excellent. Well. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks for, for helping us celebrate the two-year anniversary of the Roaring Elephant podcast. And, yeah, uh, and congratulations yeah. with that. Let's hope for many, many more years to come. It's a great podcast. <laughs> Thank you very Thank much. You very much. And, uh, yeah, congratulations to, uh, to you as well. And let's, uh, let's look forward to, uh, what was it, another 37 years you needed? <laughs> yes, <laughs> something like that indeed, yeah. <laughs> All right, perfect. Well, okay, thank thanks, you. Eduardo. Take care yeah. and have a great, have a great Bye -bye. rest of the year. You too. Bye bye. Bye, Eduardo.
So I think we have uh, another guest, uh, hopefully joining us. Welcome, Pitt. It's good to uh, good to catch up. It's been quite a while. Yes, it has been. I think uh, I think we spoke in July, if I remember correctly. So um, we're we're just uh, so first of all, obviously, thank you for joining us for our uh, two year anniversary celebration. Um, appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, my pleasure. It's always great to chat with y'all. So, I mean, what have you been up to? Uh, what's what's been going on in your world? Oh boy, um, <laughs> let's see. I've been doing. Uh, you know, I'm still in the same job. I mean, you know, that's only four months ago, so it hasn't yeah. hasn't changed appreciably. Uh, I've been doing a lot of stuff with the the meetup that I run. Mm-hmm. I think I, I mentioned this yeah, to you yeah. when I spoke before. It's um, Big Data Madison is the is the meetup that I run, and then I was also one of the organizers of um, Big Data Wisconsin conference. So we had our second conference this August, uh, which we thought um, was really good. We're looking to expand it again um, the following year. Uh, mm-hmm. sort of maybe make it two tracks. We're sort of running into the same sort of problem where, nice. you know, big data and data science are, is such a broad area yeah. that you're never going to have one single track that's going to please everybody. So some yeah. people say there's not enough analytics or there's not enough use cases or business talk or whatever. So I think for next year, we're planning to have two like day-long tracks, one sort of more focused on data science and analytics, and that's going to be more technical side. Yeah, And then the other side will try and be more of like use cases and business and that sort of thing. Cause you know, living in Wisconsin, um, generally speaking, you know, we're the, the industries in this state or this area, which is the upper Midwest in the United States is yeah. not quite as advanced, uh, if you will, um, in terms of, uh, the, the, the big data journey, if you will, mm-hmm. than, than the coast. It's not and Silicon so Valley yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, we run into a situation where a lot of companies are kind of earlier on that journey. Mm-hmm. And so we found that there's great interest in seeing sort of like successful implementations or successful use cases and what value um, organizations that have started that journey a little bit earlier have um, have seen. Because I, I think it helps people see where, uh, you know, either different technologies or different techniques or whatever can fit into their own business. Yeah, and that that sort of making sure that they don't make the the same mistakes that other people have learned from that side of things as well. Yeah, for sure. We had one of one of our one of our sessions uh, this past uh, conference was all about from an, an IoT startup, and it was sort of like lessons learned from an IoT startup. And you know, we tried to have a big mix of sort of things like that, as well as like specifically kind of more highly technical talks, like on Kubernetes, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, it was just sort of all over the map, which we were kind of trying to do. But it's only our second year doing it, and um, you know we're learning each time. So now I think we've we've determined that we're going to have to have multiple tracks. And we've had it in in Madison, where I live, the last couple of years. We might have yeah. it in in Milwaukee um, next year. Um, Milwaukee is a larger city, and you know it was always interesting to see. It's easier to get to from Chicago. So we're hoping to kind of go beyond Wisconsin. Um, and we did get some folks come down from Minneapolis, for example. Some people come up from Chicago, but it'd be uh, easier to kind of uh, go into a larger city. So we'll see what nice. happens. But yeah. And then the meetup's been going going really well. You know, I'm trying, I've been running the meetup in next February will be the sixth year. Wow. Of the meetup, which is uh, yeah, it's pretty early, <laughs> if you will, to kind of start that. And and we've um, or you know, I should say, I'm kind of trying to expand and do different things with that. So that's always kind of constantly under 
revision. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that I've done, in fact, the second one of these uh, styles of beat-ups is actually tomorrow. It's an idea that I got um, from talking to uh, the lady named, a lady named Hillary Mason. Mm-hmm. I met her at a conference. She's a very famous data scientist out in New York City, and she's one of the people that is uh, kind of influential, if you will, in the um, New York City sort of big data and data science scene. And one of the ideas that she gave me, which I'm shamelessly stealing the title of, is something called Data Drinks. And that is, you know, you get together with other people and other data professionals at a bar and you just talk and chat and and mingle and whatever. Um, and the first one of these I did in the summer, I thought it was pretty successful. And so the second one is coming up here, you know, and it's easier for me as an organizer because all I have to do is find a venue. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have to worry about a presenter, right? I mean, you guys, you need to find people for your, uh, you know, so it's easier, it's easier that way. Um, yeah, not yeah. to worry about that. And I think that some people are really interested to meet folks. And this time I'm actually partnering with another meetup, which is the uh, Data Science Madison meetup, as well as the Midwest chapter of the Women in Big Data. So it's kind of uh, trying to spread the word, if you will. So I'm kind of excited to see how that will turn out. Um, and then, Yeah, and then just this past Saturday, we actually had a different type of uh, style of meetup as well, which is sort of more of a tutorial. Um, every year I survey the membership, and one mm-hmm. of the things they've said is that they are the membership, largely speaking, is is interested in um, more tutorials or, or his sort of hands-on workshops, things like that, because you know people are all over the place in terms yeah. of their knowledge or what they're interested in. The problem with that is that's a lot of work yes. <laughs> to, to set up something like that. And so I was very fortunate in that I was I uh, somebody from Databricks actually reached okay. out to me and was like, "Hey, I'm going to be in Chicago anyway. Um, can we please, you know, maybe we can set up a." venue and a time. And and I reached out to someone at a local college here, Madison Colleges, and we got a great room and got about 60 people for an all-day sort of spark workshop and tutorial. So it was pretty cool. Fantastic. Yeah, it sounds like you're really, really making some some interesting interesting strides in there. Yeah, I think so. It's nice. I I like to, you know, give back to the community if I can, and I get to meet tons of people. Um, and then learn a lot too. Although I find that like my my attention um, span during the presentations, if you will, is like my my attention is is it's hard to focus on it when I'm worried about like are the lights too dim or are they too bright, <laughs> you, you know, all this sort of stuff. Like so, when I was at the conference that that you all were kind enough to sponsor me um, to go, or Hortonworks was kind enough to sponsor me through the the contest that you guys had on on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I was able to like focus like much more yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, on that stuff because I was I was simply a consumer. Yes. That, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It's it's not your baby. You don't need to worry about that. You just need to absorb the content and enjoy. Totally. Yeah, and look out for you as as the case may be. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. You had to look out for Dave. What was Dave up to there? <laughs> Dave, I think Dave was working the room. I think that was one of his, yeah. his primary Absolutely. jobs. Absolutely, always, always, always be working the room. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we've had uh, we've had a couple of other um, previous interviewees uh, on on the line a little bit earlier, and uh, we've had a sort of a, a couple of conversations that have just kind of spiraled around. And one of them was um, around, you know, where do you think some of the the gaps are in in the sort of 
the, the big data and analytics and Hadoop kind of ecosystem at the moment. You know, what, what do you think are, are some of the things that are, are still missing? What do you wish? What, what do you wish there was an Apache something or other project to deal with? Hmm. Um, I think one of the things that I'm I'm seeing in in a lot of companies around here, as as well as my own a little bit, is um, it's a big. I think a lot of people who are who are doing work where like data analysis and and data science, you know, they think that their job ends with the model, mm. <laughs> the model creation and getting good results, and that's not quite true because you obviously have to productionize that model, yeah. and then you need to develop. You know, no model is static, right? I mean, you constantly need to be bringing in more data, retraining that model, re um, redeploying that model at, at some sort of cadence, depending on on what's going on. And so that was something that a couple of talks, if I recall correctly, at the DataWorks Summit were addressing. And I think mm. some of the larger players, like the the IBM. Uh, thing that they're doing with Hortonworks data science experience, they seem to imply like, oh, this is so easy, you know, just click a button, it's deployed, and um, <laughs> maybe in a demo, but <laughs> in production, that's ever going to happen. So that's something that I think would be really cool if if there was sort of more, uh, sort of a more open source uh, kind of general purpose way to do that, because I think the only times you see that sort of um, activity happening is sort of in more like specialized, um, all-encompassing products. Like I, yeah. I think, um, like I think that Databricks, for example, you could do something like that. But that's sort of like its own self-contained. Yeah, but to do um, that, you need have some kind of a controlled environment, right? Yeah, it, it could be that that's that that's not possible. I mean, there's lots of there's security concerns. You know, you need to be deploying onto production servers and that sort of thing. But um, I, I just think that. Uh, that's something that I noticed a gap in because it, it seems to take a lot of effort. You know, largely speaking, a lot, some companies are are very um, wanting to kind of silo the work behind developing the models from yeah. the work of actually deploying the model. Yeah. Because, and and I can understand why. I mean, some people who are who are developing um, and training these models are not exactly uh, the most proficient in software engineering, and so how to tune that and make sure that it's uh, running optimally so you don't deploy a model hey that's great why is there site crashing <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. so i think there's 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 some interesting elements of that um within apache metron it has this concept of something called model as a service and it deals with it deals with some of these elements it deals with things like um Spinning up and spinning down models, uh, migrating to to later versions of the models, um, you know, spinning up multiple instances of the model for parallelization. What it doesn't really take care of is, you know, the training of the models um, and having some sort of cadence around that. It's Even, also getting a silo, right? It's within Apache Metron only. Well, it, it is within Apache Metron at the moment, but there have been discussions on the mailing lists about actually pulling that out as even possibly a separate project or a separate component okay. that you could reuse more generically. Um, so, as, I, I think some, you know, definitely work has been done in a, a variety of different areas around that sort of thing. But you're right; there's no. There's nothing that's taken that idea to well, to the sort of 
the, the end conclusion. There, yeah. there is the Docker way of doing it, right? And I know uh, with the Microsoft head on, we're looking at things of having data scientists build something, automatically build a Docker image that makes a REST interface for that model, and then either deploy it on Kubernetes or mm. on a, a batch system or, or a Hadoop cluster, basically, depending mm. on what your stuff is. So they are working on it at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that so that approach is I think has a lot of merits. But one of the things that I would be curious to know is so that that takes care of the deployment, um, which is which is a large part of the problem for sure. But the other part of it is well, okay, are there nice hooks then for getting? So let's say you have a model that needs to be trained weekly, and then how are you getting the last week of data? Like how are you you know setting up that pipeline and then working the kind of process data in to put into the model for retraining and then what if the results don't look good yeah how are you, you making sure the score is always improving the area under the curve is always larger you know yeah or at least or at least maintaining status quo so yeah. <laughs> it's, it's in out. the approach actually you can have multiple models as a model management service so you can just keep track of which model is running at what kind of granularity what your recall is on specific models and then you can promote a model to make a new docker image and replace the one that's running so, but it's a it's a preview thing. So it's something that's not finished. It's uh, usable. You can play with it. But as you said, it's not there yet. Yeah, yeah. There's there's yeah. A, there's a few pieces of the puzzle, yeah. but yeah, hey, people are working nothing. on it. The future is bright. Yeah. <laughs> well, right, and it's and it's probably validating that uh, you know I'm not alone alone voice oh, out no, in definitely. the wilderness complaining about this. I don't even think yeah. that I was because I've seen enough enough activities at, at sort of at, at other companies to know that that this is something that um, companies are struggling with. Yeah, yeah. And also, and also, it's it's interesting to kind of take that leap of faith. You know, I definitely think you have a certain segment of people in in you know high corporate hierarchy or in in business who are, are not willing to trust uh, to trust the model, sure. if you will, mm-hmm. to think that, oh, we can't, it can't, it can't do better than this. The thing that's really kind of a, uh, sometimes a difficult, um, a difficult issue with that argument is that a lot of times you're lacking the data to re- to rebut that. So for example, if you have a process that requires a human being, sometimes the, like the error that, because, you know, nobody's doing a perfect job, right? So if yep. you have a process that requires a human being making a decision, a lot of times they're not tracking, well, what's the error rate on that? And so if you train a model, you, of course, know what the error rate is for that model. But then if you don't have anything to say, well, this is an improvement or it's not. And so sometimes you can't even, it's hard to make a business case to to quantify improvement over a process if you don't understand what the existing error rate is on that process. And you've also got like the it, it's a changing culture, like it, you know, releasing the human from that cycle um, and you know fully automating it is. Yeah, there's the technical challenge of training the model, but it, you know, in most cases, from what I've seen, actually the the stronger challenge is is that change of culture to say you know we're going to trust the model, we're going to trust you know all, all the testing that we've done suggests that it's. If they do have stat, it's at least as good as, if not better than, you know, the human in the process that we've got today. But it still involves that that culture change. 
Yeah, and it's it is kind of grimly amusing to see people who kind of speak up about about this, you know, on their phones, and I'm sure they'd love to take an autonomous vehicle, and they're willing to put, you know, their own safety potentially in the hands of computers, and certainly a lot of other aspects of their lives. But if it needs to make an automated decision for their business, it's like, no, nah, hold on now, <laughs> put, put the brakes on. Yeah, yeah. Um. I mean, some something else I've been um, I've been kind of wondering about uh, maybe your views on were how do you think that things have evolved over the last sort of year or so around trying to trying to make this this ecosystem more usable? Do you think do you think we've made any real progress in that space, or do you think we've just kind of we've made some things more usable and others more complex? Where where do you think we are in that kind of journey? Um, so I think it depends on the scale at which you're, you're considering that question. Mm. So I think if you were looking at, um, specific tech stacks or, or maybe sort of a, a larger, um, suite of tools that are kind of being used in concert, then I think that they're absolutely being made easier to use, uh, easier to set up that sort of thing. Yeah. The issue that I know a lot of people struggle with, especially individuals who are who are just starting out in this um, in this arena, is there's such a massive profusion of of products and tools and technologies, and there's very little consensus anywhere. And so I think when people, you know, like there's this very famous like big data sort of chart or something, and like every year it just gets yeah. packed in with more and more technologies, and people look at things like that, or maybe you know they kind of um, get on RSS feeds or whatever, and they're like, oh, they quickly become like very bewildered. Um, and so I think that from that perspective, we're not making anything more usable because people are just really getting stuck with what do I do and. A lot of times people will ask me um, at the meetup, for example, or, or at, at other meetups, you know, I, I go to the Python meetup in town pretty regularly too. And it's like, where do I start? And lots of people are approaching me with this question, especially in the area of data science, because they're like, you know, I might have a, a PhD in genetics, but, uh, you know, that's a very specialized area. And if I want to kind of broaden my my skill set and broaden my, my marketability and ability to get a job, et cetera, I want to go into sort of more data science. And there's many different ways to do this, but a lot of people get hung up on, well, what do I learn? Like, well, what, what technology do yeah. I need to even focus on? And then that that's that's not, a, I don't think, a great way of, of looking at it, but I can understand why they kind of get almost like a deer in the headlights look, because they're like, uh, do I need to learn NoSQL, uh, Cassandra, or Mongo, or Couch? I, I don't know, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, there is in this space, and I think it's, it is one of the Achilles heels of open source, in my opinion. And I and I love open source, and I've been involved in open source for a, a very, very long time. So I'm, I'm a definite proponent of it. But the barrier to someone just saying, well, I like the way that this works, but I'd like to do this little piece of it slightly different, so I'm going to spin up an entire new project is just is so low it's so easy to go and do that that you you know you continually see new things popping up that are the same as something else but slightly different and it's it's great and it fosters innovation and it fosters competition 
And yes, the, the meritocracy of things generally wins out sometimes, but it does mean there's this just this proliferation and continued expansion of new tech that's bubbling up that uh, I always struggle with this, oh, you know, can't you guys just get along? You know, can't we just find <laughs> some middle ground and we can just, you know, we can, I, I, I don't mind there being a couple of choices. Choice is good, but, oh, man, it's just, it's it's tough. It's really tough. Yeah, you see that a lot now with, like, streaming yeah. You know, there's yeah. there's like the newer version of Spark Streaming, there's KSQL, there's Streaming Analytics Manager, there's you name it. And, you know, a lot of these companies, you know, they're, you know, employ smart people that are looking at the landscape and looking at the market trends. They're like, you know, a year ago or a year and a half ago or something like, all right, we're going to see more and more streaming, more out more IoT data, et cetera. So let's beef up our streaming, you know, and then now these things in the last half year or whatever really come to the marketplace and in, in a big glut and then people are like oh i don't know and maybe it depends on what your company is already using or yeah. it could be or if they're locked in into a particular or familiar with a particular ecosystem you know, like hortonworks yeah. etc or but if they're coming into it new they're like well I, I don't have time and resources to sit there and vet three different um, streaming solutions yeah yeah it, it's always going to be about how you know how you make that choice is as you say you know is there a paradigm that's close to something that you already know that's good enough? Is there something that clearly matches the use case that you, or the use cases that you initially see being useful to you? Um, you know, the, there's any number of, of comparison kind of articles that will give you some indication maybe of which way to jump, but it's still a little bit of a lottery. Well, if our listeners want to know more about uh, PITS, you can look up on the Meetup site for the Big Data Medicine. It will be too late yep. for the Data Drinks too, because that's uh, three days ago when you're hearing this, <laughs> or four days <laughs> even. <laughs> but uh, just check on the Meetup site for more uh, upcoming Meetups, I guess. Any chance on changing the name? Because uh, Big Data Medicine, all the big uh, events are dropping the data part of their name. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. You know, I, I put a, I put a bit of effort into this brand, and you're right. Now I need to work uh, in analytics in and yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. data science. The problem is there already is a data science Madison, yeah. and big data and data science Madison is is really a bit of a mouthful. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I I just like to really thank you for for your time helping us celebrate the two year anniversary of the Roaring Elephant podcast. Um, definitely wish you. All the success with the continued progress on the meetups, whether you choose to drop the data or not. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us, Pitt. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much, guys, uh, for for like really doing a great resource for the community. And uh, I really like the roles series that you guys are okay. have started up. I found those to be quite interesting. Great. Nice, nice, awesome. Right. Well, uh, good luck with everything yourself, and uh, best of luck to you as well. All right, okay. take care, Pitt. Goodbye. Bye bye. Cheers. And I think that's the end of our little anniversary celebration. Uh, there's still some cake left. Yeah, on your end of the pond, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just making me jealous. Uh, um, there we go. Any last sage thoughts from you for this birthday? Well, two years. Will we make it? Will we make it three? 
That's the question. Oh, we're so close to episode 100 now. I'm going to say close. It's not a 40 to go, but still we're above it over the hump. <laughs> so I think that, that's my next goal. Try to get the 100. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the next goal is episode 100. Fair enough. Well, I mean, I would like to once again thank our guests that uh, took the time out of their busy schedules to to join us and say hi and talk a little bit about things that have happened and things that may happen in the future. Um, I hope that uh, you as our listener base found it useful, interesting. But I think, unless you have anything else to share, Jan? No, it's the end of the birthday. I think so. That's about all the time we have for today. But we do hope you enjoyed this birthday uh, serving of Bite Size Big Data. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. But until then, please go to www.roaringelephant.org where you can find out more information about the podcast and please feel free to use our feedback form. You can also follow us on Twitter using the at Hadoopcast tag and contact us by email on podcast at roaringelephant.org with any thoughts, comments, criticisms or other feedback. Until then, no more birthdays for a little while. My name is Dave. And my name is I Had a Birthday. And we look forward to talking to you next week. See you then.